Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, priviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic show for you today. With an unforgettable guest, a member of the UCLA dance team, Devin Mallory, joins the show. Devin is a dance major and is a senior at UCLA and made history as the first male member of the UCLA dance team. In previous seasons, Devin was a Yale crew member and even dressed as Joe Bruin at some games. While dancing as the mascot, Devin collaborated with the dance team on several occasions in the past, and between those performances and a stellar audition, Devin merited himself a position on the dance team for the first time this year. On today's episode, Devin chats about his early musical inspirations and the artists that helped fuel his creativity as a dancer. Devin also reflects on the experiences of dancing as a mascot and how it felt performing under the veil of anonymity. Lastly, Devin shares with us his feelings on being a pioneer as the first male member of the dance team and he expresses what he hopes to accomplish during his career. This was an awesome, awesome, awesome conversation. Devin is a delightful and mature young man who's incredibly ambitious and he has a lot of goals on the horizon that he's looking to accomplish. He's already broken barriers and there's no doubt in my mind that his career is going to continue on an upward trajectory. Thrilled for everyone to meet him. So let's go ahead and bring on Devin Mallory and let's learn. Well, well, Devin, my man, thank you for being here. You grew up in San Francisco, the city with amazing culture. When you look back on those years, what are the memories that stand out? Yeah, um, one of the biggest memories I have received from growing up in San Francisco is the beaches. Mm. Um, I was privileged enough to go to schools um, in the city that were very close by, like the, the famous San Francisco Beach, Ocean Beach. And so I spent a lot of time driving up and down that. Um, on the way and leaving from school. Um, and also it was a really nice place for me to just sit out after class, especially in my high school years, um, whether I was going through a tough time or just looking for a nice spot to enjoy some food. It was, um, San Francisco was really the place for me to um, just really reflect. And it, it really became a home, especially since I had family members uh, very locally in, an, in the area. So I had a lot of people I could go to for anything really out there. Now you got me curious because there's a huge rivalry between NorCal and SoCal. So oh, yes. what what do you consider yourself now? Which allegiance are you? Are you NorCal or SoCal? And what oh, are you no. what, what are you missing most about the Bay Area right now? Yeah. Um I honestly try to avoid this <laughs> taking a stance because it's so funny. My family back home in, in the Bay Area, they love to refer to me as an, an LA an LA boy now. Oh, uh, you don't want to be that, um, nah. And so see that, see, there's the thing. It's not, it's not necessarily that I am opposed to either. Um, but my family has almost made that decision for me. Um, so I, I just like to, again, stay neutral, but, um, I definitely see positives in both. I think something I really, that really resonates with me, um, with LA right now is just that it's, it's really my, my, I, I closely hold LA to my present identity, um, as I'm, going through college, like going through a lot of very transformative years right now and seeing where I'll even go post-grad. So um, I, I see a lot of it's like fast-paced um, changes and learning moments. And I hold that closely to LA, but in terms of the Bay Area, yeah, I, as I said earlier, I would think of it more as a place I'd call home and um, 
a place that I've really settled and um, been grounded within. Um, but yeah, something I I miss the most with um, Bay Area, being away from the Bay, is just not being around family. My family and I were very close, and we spent a lot of time together, especially pre-pandemic. Um, we have like family gatherings every weekend, and so just to miss out on that, especially with my younger like baby cousins, I I get sad sometimes knowing I don't have those years with them that I did with my uh, with my cousins a bit closer to my age. But um, yeah, I get to like FaceTime them and stuff, so it kind of makes up for that a bit. One thing that you did in the barrier was you performed with the Golden State Warriors Junior Jam Squad. That mm -hmm. is, how did that experience play a role in your performing career? Did you feel some of that early excitement as far as performing in, in front of big groups of people? Yeah, totally. Um, I my my time with the Golden State Warriors Junior Jam Squad sadly didn't go as long as I anticipated to. Just as I was also balancing being a competitive hip hop dancer at that time, mm -hmm. but. It truly was was and still is such a great organization. And I think from the age of 10, it taught me, it, it showed me a level of professionalism that I hold any dance job opportunity um, to that exact same standard that I experienced at the age of 10. And it was just, it was amazing. It also, it really inspired me um, to see the life and opportunity I could have as a dancer if I worked hard and, um, like striked at any opportunity um, that arised. Um, I also think, yeah, that performance aspect, performing at halftime games in such a huge arena, it was um, shocking to say the least, but it also was just a feeling that at the age of 10, I knew I couldn't let go and it was something that I wanted to work yeah. towards making a reality and uh, a normal thing. During that time, who were some of the performers that inspired you? Mm -hmm. um, I'd have to say one of my biggest inspirations um, would have to be Misty Copeland. She mm -hmm. is one of the first African-American principal ballet dancers. Yeah. Um, and she particularly breaking down racial barriers, especially in the ballet world. Um, it's just been such an inspiration to me, especially growing up. Um, not seeing many dancers um, that looked like me in uh, mainstream medias. Um, she was definitely someone I looked up to and not allowing like social expectations drive um, who I am and what I'm capable in doing. I think back to those years for me and the music that I listened to and the music videos that I watched, they're still near and dear to me. So for you during that time, what were some of the songs and the choreography that you saw in music videos that shaped who you are now as a performer? Yeah, I'd have to definitely say um, the iconic Missy Elliott. Uh -huh. um, I grew up, again, doing hip-hop. And before even competing in hip-hop, I naturally gravitated towards doing hip-hop and dancing to hip-hop music. And Missy Elliott's music videos were always the the like iconic yeah. dance breakdowns sections and her music her lyrics and her beats were just so influential to my movement and how I interpreted music and listening to and analyzing the dynamics in music. She really was a driving force in that for sure. She was, and they all seemed like it was, each video was topping the previous one and each song had a fantastic beat. So which which is the one, which is the crown one for you, They're your favorite Missy track? Oh my gosh, I think I think it's uh, Work It by okay. Missy Elliott. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So I have to be the one. If Missy was your inspiration then, who are some of the artists that inspire you now? Yeah, this is real. This is a very interesting question because I did listen to music a lot as a child. And I think that was heavily influenced by what my uh, family was playing and what they were listening to. But today, um, I weirdly do not listen to music mm. often, often. Um, a lot of people find that really surprising, me being a dancer especially, but um, I just haven't, I haven't taken as much time as I used to listening to music. But I think, and at first, when I realized that, probably when I reached college, because that's kind of a, a casual conversation question of what you like to listen to, um, I, was, I was a bit insecure. Uh, like I questioned, why, why don't I listen to music? Is that a weird thing to not do? And um, I think it's almost allowed me to be very open to a variety of music. Um, I have a lot of friends who are also in, heavily involved in the arts, and so they have kind of just introduced to me their own preferences and genres in music. And so I kind of give, I try to give all of their preferences a chance in just listening to them, understanding them, and potentially even dancing to them. Before your current role, you would often play the part of the mascot at UCLA sporting yes. events. Now, it must have been exciting, and that anonymity can be both a blessing and a curse. So what were your emotions that you felt as a, as a costume performer? Because I'm sure that's a little bit of everything. Yeah, um, mascotting that was, uh, for UCLA was my first and only experience I've had um, dancing in a costume like that. I think physically it was really hard adjusting to the amount of padding and layers I was wearing. Uh, you have to wear being a, a Bruin mascot. Um, that was a really hard adjustment, especially when it came to dancing. The, the amount of sweat that was produced, even from walking, was a lot. So to dance was extremely exhausting, but it did train my stamina a bit more, especially over time. It was something I got accustomed to, which was great, especially when going into, for example, basketball season, I was honored to do like a halftime routine with UCLA's dance team before I was on the team, uh, the UCLA dance team. And it was, it was super cool. It was super fun. Um, I, I was almost living like every dancer's dream to uh, really evoke a character. And I feel like aside from my movement, I was literally doing that as I was dressed up as in this mascot costume. So it was like a almost unachievable goal come true of giving this like Disney magic to the, mm -hmm. to Bruin fans in that moment. But it also was a bit um, of a, it felt as if it was a bit of a like strip of my identity as yeah. um, hearing the crowds at games, cheering on Joe. And um, I have so much love and I will, have, I will forever have love for UCLA. Um, but it, but for some reason, I did feel this this lackluster feeling of they don't they don't know who's inside. Yeah. And being a mascot, I think that's just something that um, you have to grapple with going into it. And so that's some that was something I did adjust to. But it definitely did feel a bit um, dissatisfying knowing knowing that audiences didn't know yeah. who who I was or what my um, the dance. The, the work I was putting in, especially in these dance routines, being a mascot. So. Yeah. 
What are the mental health practices that you use to prepare yourself to perform? Do you use aspects of meditation or visualization? Yes, um, I love to meditate um, on my free time. Um, and if not, just sitting out and meditating, I find the, uh, my best forms of meditation through journaling. Mm. Um, I, I've, I was journaling um, from a young age, actually, wow. before I started dancing. That was something um, my mom had introduced me to. And luckily, I had found dance. And dance became uh, an almost equal form of uh, like men uh, healthy mental health practices. Yeah. Um, yeah, both were both dance and journaling side by side have, have really helped me kind of center myself, ground myself, and really look outward, um, especially in uh, tougher situations. Well, that's amazing to hear about journaling, especially at a young age, because I think it's for a lot of people, it's something they start adding to their lives as they get older. When you're journaling, mm -hmm. is it more of a recap of the day's events? Is it emotions? Are there also aspects of affirmation? Because I know for me, I have two separate journals, one regular one, then a gratitude journal that I use specifically to talk about things that I'm appreciative for. So what's the setup for your journaling? Yeah, um, my the setup for my journaling has definitely changed over time. I think when I was younger, I just I would simply recap my days. It was something that helped me um, really just take in what I was experiencing throughout my day because I think going through um, some struggles in my childhood, I was unable um, to really see what. Um, everything around me basically but the older i've gotten i did kind of get into this deal of senses of gratitude um and affirmations for myself to really develop a sense of um, self-empowerment especially during harder times and today i would like to say it's a bit more just free-handed um i would like to think i'm a bit more of a i'm at a more mature state in my journaling experience so it kind of it, i kind of just go wherever i'm taken um, right now, which is really nice. I love hearing that. For you, where do you find you. where do you find creativity? I know you mentioned that you don't listen to as much music as most people would think. So, for you, where do you find mm. where do you find creativity and inspiration? Hmm, I would I would have to say I receive a majority of my inspiration from either like family or friends or uh, my personal experiences. I think with friends and family. Um, conversations we have, um, bringing bringing light to different experiences of others, really opens up my eyes in in the ways I guess I can open myself up to being creative. Um, especially with my friends, I have uh, a roommate who's an who's an artist, a painter, um, and he's into fashion as well. And it's something that I've it's a medium that I've never considered um, for myself, but it's really interesting to see his take on art and creativity and his his intentions and um yeah his intention behind his work uh i feel like also my experiences and struggles really shape how i go into situations um again speaking on how dance was an, a, an amazing outlet for me at a young age um especially my more troubling years as a kid i think choreographing dances was an easy uh, and very healthy outlet for me to project any emotions into movement. It was something that was, um, I think it was beautiful. Uh, dance and choreography can be beautifully um, discreet or beautifully direct and 
um, it was something that I was privileged to have in my pocket to play with when it came to expression and finding my own senses of creativity. Do you feel that you're a pioneer being the first male dancer? And with that, do you feel there's also an extra bit of added pressure that comes with it? Um, I I would like, yes, I would like to say I'm, I'm trying to be more affirming of myself as we were speaking on journaling. Yeah. Um, I I would like to think that I'm a, pion- a pioneer and I've potentially opened up more opportunities for males to get more involved with the dance team and as well as just opening up um, kind of dismantling gendered roles and expectations, yeah. especially in the arts. Um, I do think there there is a slight pressure with with being a pioneer of anything. And um, for me, I one of my biggest pressures that I feel, and I don't think anyone has ever put on me personally, but I have just kind of taken on is I would never want to disappoint or let down those that have supported me or those that look up to me um, in what I've um, achieved being on the UCLA dance team. Um, I think it's a privilege and that's something that I remind myself of every day. And it's, and so it's something I, I feel as though I'm always trying to live up to and never something um, to, I never want to do something that would ever let down someone that's, that's, that's supportive of me. Yeah. Well, I admire that, and I especially admire your work towards kind of reestablishing norms that exist. For you, when you face some of the challenging aspects or the uncertain aspects, when those uncertain situations do come up and you may be not sure what to do or not sure how to feel, are there other pioneers and leaders that you look up to or maybe read about? Are there certain books that you pick up? I think the ways I do cope and deal with, um, especially those tougher situations while being a pioneer are... Um, one, just taking a step back. I think, um, in tougher situations, our minds are, are physically, uh, exhausted and we can fabricate and come up with conclusions that really, I think ultimately can hurt us. And so I think I've learned for myself, it's best to just take a step back, take a deep breath. Um, and I typically go to, um, my, my loved ones and close friends, um, just to speak about things. I think journaling can help, definitely. I, I definitely would journal, especially during my beginning rough patches, uh, being the first male on the UCLA dance team. But I think speaking things into existence, even if it's just with one person, a close friend, a trusted person in your life, um, can make a huge difference in how you're, how you're feeling um, and I think how you move forward as well. You're a very intelligent, very introspective person. And you're you're definitely a profound thinker. And I know that you value other pioneers and other leaders in this world. So if you could have dinner with a four-person dinner, you're laughing already because you know where I'm going a with this. Four, a four-person four yeah, dinner. You, you, you plus three. You plus three. Uh, wow. And to go even farther, these people can be past, present, future, alive, dead, or they could even be fictitious or real. So that you got everything to choose from. Who, wow. would, who would be your who is your plus three yeah huh let let me let me process this i yeah. think i have yeah and, have co- and, and you're not and you're not allowed to, to choose coach tiffany just just out of bias sake we're not gonna let coach Tiffany. Choose. okay okay <laughs> um mm, okay well i think my three if i could if i could have a dinner with 
three people of my choosing, um, I think it would have to be first Misty Copeland, as I spoke about, I think her being here in the ballet world, okay. uh, I, I couldn't let, let that opportunity go. Um, another person I think would have to be, um, oh, I just lost it. I think, well, okay. My other, another person I could see having a dinner in a part of this dinner, I think would have to be, um, fiance, um, as much as she is like the queen of sass and she's a, 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 a talent, such a talented vocalist. Yeah. I really do commend her for her performance value past her, uh, her singing, I think choreography and production and the, the way she impacts her audiences is something that I truly value. Um, and lastly, uh, a person that I'd want to, to be a part of this dinner uh, would have to be the, she's a choreographer, a very uh, infamous choreographer in the dance world. And I, I'm pretty sure in mainstream media is at this point, but her name is Paris Goebel. And she's someone I've looked up to since I started dancing hip hop back in 2010. And her choreography and production, similarly to, uh, to how I view Beyonce's, um, presentations at events um paris goble truly um pays so much attention and detail to everything whether it comes to lighting music um location choreography camera work um there's just so much focus and attention put in to their craft and it's something that i would be honored to be even close to achieving or working towards so um, I definitely have to have those three with me. <laughs> I think those are three great choices. If that dinner happens, I'm tagging along as well. Now, your <laughs> your minor is, is what? Uh, my minor is food studies. Food studies. This is incredible. This yes. is incredible. First of all, I didn't know it existed because I had to do it at Arizona State University. I think I would have majored in that, maybe gone on to get a master's in that. But for you, with your food knowledge and your love of food, what are what are you eating mm-hmm. at this dinner with Misty, with Paris, oh. with, with Beyonce, with Misty? Missy Copeland and Paris, what are you guys eating at this dinner? Well, on a a less, <laughs> I guess, especially in my, if I look at my food studies minor, a lot of my upper division courses, which are, you're allowed to choose from in a range of um, course topics. Um, I've taken a lot of courses focused on Italy, food in Italy okay. in different times and decades. And I have got to say, I do love, uh, some Italian food, so I'd probably we'd probably have to have something something involving um, the pasta and gnocchi. Mm. That's like probably one of my my favorites for sure. Wonderful, wonderful choice. And again, if you're having pasta and gnocchi, I'll show up no matter who the other three people at your dinner awesome. are. What do you think is the biggest lesson you've learned from the last year? I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned I've learned in uh, I've learned many times throughout my years, but particularly within this very long year uh, would have to be just the value of presence, mm. um, wow. of staying present and really just living in the moment. Um, I think a lot of people took things for granted, especially before this pandemic. And it's put all of us, it's put a lot into perspective for everyone in what they value most, who they value most. And 
especially the, the the privilege of being the first male on the UCLA dance team. That's something I will never um, I will never value. And given that this is my last year on the squad, um, and we're ending in in this pandemic, I think um, just really staying present, especially nowadays. I think um, I went through this time of feeling that um, sort of mournfulness of what I could have been experiencing even now. Um, and like looking at the, like the times last year when I was very present in, in the moment of such happy and shockingly amazing moments being on the UCLA dance team as the first male, but something I'm still even trying to interwork with my day-to-day -day life um, currently is staying present and not, um, I think giving yourself that time and moment to dwell and reflect on the past, but generally I, I value so much in staying present because I think that's especially the thing that'll get us through life. You're a senior, graduation's coming up. You've spent four years at UCLA. So what makes you the most proud to say that you're a Bruin? I think my initial answer would have to be um, breaking barriers as the first male on the UCLA dance team. But I think my actual answer plays uh, pretty closely to that and I think it's just the bonds and connections I've made throughout my four years um, at UCLA. Uh, I would like to think I'm generally a very friendly and lively outgoing person and someone that's approachable but never did I think I'd have so much close strong connections with a variety of people throughout the UCLA campus. So I think yeah my biggest takeaway are the people um, and the relationships I've been able to build while being here. So what's next for you for 2021? What are your future? We got graduation, but aside from that, what are your future goals, projects, plans for the year? Well, um, I actually, I'm actually graduating this March. I'm graduating early. And so aside from that, I'll be, in terms of projects, I'm involved with uh, UCLA's annual talent show, Spring Sing. So I'll be in Spring Sing um, 2021 this year, performing a dance solo. Um, I'm also currently working on um, a TED Talk with TEDx UCLA, which is something I'm very excited to be working on and focusing on more post-graduation. Um, and a bit more long-term, uh, the goal is to dance professionally. Um, what that looks like right now is a bit hard because of the confinement of COVID. But um, aside from that, I'm also really interested in pursuing a career as a dietitian. Given my food studies minor, yeah. um, I value nutrition so much. And especially being a dancer, I, I value um, what goes in our bodies as our bodies are our machines as dancers. How can people stay up to date with your life? with Spring Thing, with the TED Talk? How can they follow you and just stay up to date with Devin? Yeah, um, well, I'd have to say the easiest way to keep up is through social media. My Instagram is just Devin Mallory. Um, just my full name, no spaces, no underscores, no numbers. Um, that's kind of just where I, I express myself to the general public, uh, yeah. You're the best. I appreciate you so much. I know we'll talk again, but thank you for today. Yes, thank you so much. Have a nice rest of your day. All right, see you, Devin. Bye. See you, bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Devin. Wasn't he fantastic? 
Be sure to give him a follow on social media, and we look forward to seeing what's next. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat. I can, I can see that.